Hunger Games Fan Podcast, episode number 35. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. And welcome back to another episode of the Hunger Games Fan Podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. And Stephanie, I don't think there's any way we're going to be able to get through this entire book between now and when this movie comes out. Ten days from today. Ten days from today. You know, I, I, I realize we could probably, you know, spend the next ten days reading a chapter every single day or two. Two, because there are 18 chapters. And so. recording a podcast. I just don't see that in our in our schedule as much as I wanted to. I know. I, I mean... I told you back... I told you like way back in October or November that finishing the book by the time the movie came out was going to be pushing it. I like, didn't. Oh no, it's going to be a piece of cake. I I'm know. Like, you, you so underestimate our you calendars. Guys, you would think that... You know, with with podcasting be as being as prominent as it is for us, that we would be able to come down here and record whenever we want, and it just isn't that way, is it? No, it's not. I had somebody on uh, Facebook the other day because uh, somebody, one of my clients, had said that I had inspired them to end a couple of their shows and pod and focus on just one podcast. Okay, and I was congratulating them that it's like I never thought I'd be excited about inspiring somebody to end a show I've always been about inspiring people to start a show and sure enough there's something about finding those focus that that focusing your time energy effort and attention on certain things and you know not just going out and creating a podcast about every passion and interest that you have which I know somebody who has been in the habit of doing such a thing I wouldn't know who that is and somebody on Facebook says, you know, well, if, if podcast, if I were podcasting full time, I could see just starting up all these different podcasts. And it's like, yeah, I, I you know, I do podcasting full time and well, I'm envious of people who have one show, to be honest with you. But at the same time, we're doing three shows. I'm doing three shows every week. You're doing two shows every week, guaranteed. And then between the two of us outside of those regular weekly shows, we have a couple shows like this one. That we record when we have an opportunity. Right. And when we have an opportunity is that key phrase that sometimes gets in our way. <laughs> well, I know that one thing that we have learned and, and a decision that we ha- have made is that if we ever decide to do another series, mm-hmm. those won't be released until the Ravenscrafts finish that series. Oh, I didn't th- think we were going to make that public knowledge. Well, that's it. I'm okay with making that public All knowledge. Right. So people, so I don't tweet that I'm reading something and you know I'm just I'm okay with making that public knowledge it, it's there's a great amount of pressure that I think we've put upon ourselves because of things that we've said or or um, promises we've made or yeah. commitments that that we've made that um, that I'm saying you know what I'm sorry yeah I'm, I'm I, I can't do that yeah, well, we'll we'll work it all so, out in the future, but there's no doubt in our minds that we will record more podcasts devoted to more topics, maybe perhaps right. literature of some sort. You know, the premiere was last night. The in premiere LA. was in L.A. last night, huh? Yes, it was. Nice. Yes, it was. Interesting. So, anyway. all right, so we're talking about chapters eight and nine, the final two chapters of part one, right. of Mocking Jay. 
And it starts off with, uh, I, the first highlight that I have here is, I lie on the floor with my head in, oh gosh, did I just have to read that? Gail's lap. Uh, anyway, the last thing I remember is Boggs spreading a couple burlap sacks over me. When I wake up, I'm warm and patched up in my old bed in the hospital. My mother's there checking my vital signs. How do you feel? A little beat up, but all right, I say. Not no one even told us you were going until after you were gone, she right. says. So chapter seven closed off with her um her big speech to Snow in District Eight. And then the bombing happened and all and so now they're on the hovercraft and that's when she, you know, is lying the way that she is. And um but I find it interesting that not only I mean not interested it really at this at this point in the story overall in the the trilogy you know enough of the relationship to know that it's not a big surprise that no one told her mother right it's not a big surprise and i say mother because that's the only way they describe her in this entire yeah, we book we still don't have her name yeah. it's um, mrs everdeen i think that that's intentional honestly it, it it's intentional to leave that void to leave that gap in between the relationship and um and so it, it's not a surprise to me that neither katniss nor anyone around her thought to Tell her inform mom. yeah yeah so next to the bedside there is shrapnel that has been removed from her leg the doctors are more concerned with the damage that her brain may have suffered from the explosions uh, she's got a concussion she's not fully healed from to begin with and uh, she doesn't have she, she doesn't have double vision but she and she can think clearly enough she's ready to get up and move around she is she, th- which is which again is completely Katniss mm-hmm. it, it, it is complete nothing is out of character in that right um, I want to walk but that's out. So I negotiate my way into a wheelchair. She's dying to get out and, and to be moving. Um, I feel fine, really, except for my head and my leg and the soreness from the bruises and the nausea that hit a couple minutes after. Hey, maybe the wheelchair is a good idea. Yeah. So obviously Katniss. <laughs> typical woman, though. Well, it, it's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's typical oh, of her drive as well. I mean, it's it's like, you know what? I'm not going to let this get me now. I've got to get out. I've got to get in. I've, I need to be moving forward in some way, shape or form. And just laying on this bed is not going to cut it for me. It's not working for me. Gotcha. This is not who I am. Who's Masala? Um, one of the crew, one of the camera crew, I believe. Okay. Um, with, um... I guess Cressida's the reporter, maybe, or, or the person who who is putting together all of these propos. Okay. And um, can I just say that I am annoyed at the word propose? <laughs> As am I. It I mean, it seriously it, annoys me. I I I mean, it is so much so that I don't even like to read the word propo. <laughs> I mean, is this a real word? I don't know. I think she made it up. How do you how do they spell propo? I want to. P R. I'm googling this. Hold on. Propo. <laughs> I, 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 okay, Wiktionary. Propo. Um, a made-up word for the Hunger Games. 
And I see, let's see, opportunity at the right time, just in time. Um, that's propos, but no, there's no propo anywhere. Ko propo the Hunger Games wiki. Told okay. you, <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a Hunger Games wiki uh, where it talks about propos, but I think outside of the world of the Hunger Games, there is no such thing as a propo, and that that word just gets on my nerves. Yeah. Okay. Moving well, along. It is. I apologize. Up. I really am sorry that it annoys you. It annoys me too, but not to the point where I can't read it. So anyway. But did you know there was a Hunger Games wiki? It's thehungergames.wikia, W-I-K-I-A.com. And uh, propos were advertisements, message messages, interviews, and footage from the rebel side, although the Capitol had a few propos as well. And we're part of the airtime assault on the Capitol. Ah. I love that. The airtime assault. Propose communicated messages to Panem's citizens giving statements against the Capitol and providing a rallying point for of sorts for the Rebel War. Sounds like Star Wars. The Rebel Alliance. Uh, Katniss's condition and realities behind the war were some of the main focuses of the Propose. Yes. The propo. Anyway, I, so, I I think it's ridiculous. Anyway. So anyway, on. they wheel her down to command. Yes. Because that's where she's been called to. Clearly, she can't walk. And um, comes into the room and Masala is beaming and calls Katniss their little star. And, um, and Which, other ones are smiling uh, so genuinely that she can't help but smile in return. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. At this point, she doesn't know how, Why? Thi- yeah. how things are going to be received. She doesn't know if she's Boggs is going to sure be mad. She's going to be in trouble for for completely disobeying an order. Yeah. But lucky for her, I guess she's, you know, things turned out extremely well. And yes. uh, anyway, they, the only way, the only people who register any kind of negativity when she actually does get into the command, command center is Hamage who's always out of sorts anyway, uh, and sour-faced Fulvia Cardu. Now, why is why is uh, um, Fulvia, do you think she's sour-faced? Is it because of her looks? Isn't Fulvia one of the people that are made no, to make her up? No, she, um, she is Plutarch's assistant. Oh, that's right. And she's always sour. I just don't think she likes Katniss. Yeah. I don't think she's happy to be out of the Capitol. Maybe she just I'm has indigestion. I'm not sure she's completely... Okay, maybe she just hasn't. I was going to say, I'm not completely sure she wants this rebellion. I okay. just, um, yeah, I, I don't really know what's up with her, but she's kind of always sour faced. So, but, but most of the crowd, including Coin and Gail and a bunch of other people, seem positively chummy, she says. Chummy. Chummy. All right. Co- Coin calls the meeting to order. What's Coin got to say? I, oh, and they, you know what? They actually called it an airtime assault here, and I yes, never picked did. that up. Okay. Um, hold on. Is this where, somewhere, doesn't she talk about, okay, it's later. Never mind. I won't say anything. All, All right. right. Please don't. Coin calls the meeting to order. It's later in these two chapters. It's That's just fine. not right now. Okay. Um, our airtime assault has officially launched. For any of you who missed yesterday's 2000 broadcast of our first close favorite word, or the 17 reruns BD has managed to air since, we will begin by replaying it. Replaying, replaying it. it? 
So they not only got usable footage, they've already slapped together a Cliff's favorite word and aired it repeatedly. I love how you just replace it with Cliff's favorite word. <laughs> Proto. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Anyway, so she's like, wait, not only did they get something they could use, but they've already put it together and they're airing it? Yeah. Hold up. At first, my screen is black. Then a tiny spark flickers in the center. It blossoms, spreads, silently eating up the blackness until the entire frame is ablaze with a fire so real and intense, I imagine I feel the heat emanating from it. The image of my Mockingjay pen emerges, glowing red gold. The deep, resonant voice that haunts my dreams begins to speak. Claudius Templesmith, the official announcer of the Hunger Games, says... Katniss Everdeen, the girl who was on fire, burns on. Nice. And of course, they're just taking his voice from other uh, from, areas. Right, right. They're just know, piecing it together. Yeah. Um, so they they um, are showing it and she's there and there are um, real flames and smoke from, from District 8 and the, and the bombing that had happened there. And they're showing the hospital sho- collapsing in the right. background on itself. And um, playing her speech that she did after all of that happened and um (laughs) and then she said now comes the truly fantastic montage of the battle and and so there is a, a montage of of the battle and you have highlighted here uh, you can torture it. I think you just want to read this as many times as you can. I do. Right? I like this. You can torture us and bomb us and, and burn you can our, blow our house down to the ground. <laughs> but do you see that? We're with the camera tracking the planes burning on the roof of the warehouse tight on the Capitol seal on a wing, which melts back into the image of my face shouting at the president. Fire is catching. And if we burn, You burn with us. Flames engulf the screen again. Superimposed on them in black solid letters are the words, if we burn, you you burn burn with with us. us. I love that. The words catching, catch fire and the whole screen burns to blackness. You know, I'm actually That's looking, a really good promo. <laughs> I know. I'm looking forward to actually seeing that, how right. they, how nicely they edit all that together and how BD's. You know, th- this is this is fun. I, I really I, I never thought of BD as being this character that would come to the forefront and be so prominent in mm-hmm. this book. I mean, I knew that he had a role to play in Catching Fire. And I thought that really, honestly, the the whole situation with the mm-hmm. wire and everything, I thought that that was going to be pretty His much crowning it, moment. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But this this airtime assault on the Capitol is just genius. Well, he's and from the district of, of that, that specializes in electronics. This is his specialty. Right. And you know what I love is there is something to be said about controlling the media. When you control the media, you can control the perception of the people. And Which is a lot of what's wrong with our own country. Well, you can see her saying that in this book. Yes, exactly. Yes, Absolutely. And that's why, my friends, you should not be watching Fox News, CNN, and all this other junk. 
You know, and and even as much as they try to draw you in on their news at 11. McKenna gets so mad. So mad. Why at 11? Why do they always say at 11? And we're like, well, because that's what time the news is on. Well, I think that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, okay. You don't have to watch it. That's yeah. all I got. Yeah. They try to, they suck you into watching that news so that because yeah. I don't know what it is. They always the start with the worst, most depressing yeah, they do. things too. I, I, I just can't stand like to watch Whenever I'm recording something from 10 to 11 mm-hmm. and it catches the first 30 seconds of the news, I'm like, I can't go to bed now. Yeah. That's horrible. That's just miserable. So anyway, so he, but he is, he is controlling the media. And so she asks, um, did they see it all over Pan Am? Did they see it in the Capitol? And he said, um, not in the Capitol. Um, we couldn't override their system. Although, although BD's working, working on it. On it um, but in all the districts. We even got it on in two, which may be more valuable than the Capitol at this point in the game. So is Claudius with us? No, they took that from somebody that get, else. I love that Plutar gets a good laugh out of this. Only his voice, but it's ours for the taking. Yeah, and then of course she starts to clap along with a bunch of other folks until I realize actually, yeah, until I realize that I'm on cat. I'm the on camera talent. That yes, exactly. So she's clapping, but it turns out that she's the person she's. And maybe it's obnoxious that I'm applauding for myself, but no one's paying attention. Right. (laughs) I love her. Coin seems to have reached the end of her tolerance for self congratulations. Yes, well deserved. The result is more than we had hoped for. But I do have to question the wide margin of risk that you were willing to operate within. I know the raid was unforeseen. However, given the circumstances, I think we should discuss the decision to send Katniss into actual combat. And this is what I love, the cover-up. Katniss is like, wait, the decision? To send me into combat? Then she doesn't know that I flagrantly disregarded orders. I ripped love out this. my earpiece and gave my bodyguards the slip. What else have they kept from her? Anything necessary to let her be the Mockingjay she was That's right. destined to be. That's right. So, but but Plutarch covers and then she realizes that everybody else is covering. But wait, why? Okay, no one has ratted out Gail and me. Not Plutarch, whose authority we ignored. Not Boggs with his broken nose. Not the insects we let into fire. Not Hamage. No, wait a minute. Hamage is giving me a deadly smile and saying sweetly, yeah, we wouldn't want to lose our little Mockingjay when she's finally begun to sing. I make a note to myself not to end up alone in a room with him. Yes. Because he's clearly having vengeful thoughts over that stupid earpiece. Nice. So, but um, this is the part is like she had already started to like Boggs before, but the fact that he didn't rat them out, even though he ended up with a broken nose, um, shows that he, he's trustworthy, I think. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I think this is great. And, and I love the fact that you know, that that coin isn't privy to everything that's going on. She that's does right. not have this. They this are keeping things from her. Authority. She is not completely in yeah. charge. And um, so Fulvia's mouth of sour grapes <laughs> expression is startled <laughs> right off her face. But she recovers. Well, I don't know how brilliant it is, but I was thinking we could do a series of propos. Uh, called uh, We Remember. In each one, we could feature one of the de- dead tributes like Rue from 11 or Old Mags from 4. 
the idea of being that we could target each district with a very personal piece, a tribute to your tributes, as it were, says Plutarch. Uh, that is brilliant, brilliant, Fulvia. Uh, said, I say sincerely. Exactly. It's the perfect way to remind people who they're fighting. Well, it says why they're fighting, okay. but that works too. <laughs> hey, now. A little creative license there in the podcast. It, it works both ways. That's, it the, only, works both that's ways. the only way I can keep us from being sued for copyright there infringement. You go. Of I'll tell you what, it is. Change a word here and there. And, and it is a good idea. <laughs> it, it's a very good idea. And I think that. Um, yeah, because people forget. They do. You know, you, you get on there and all of a sudden it's you're t- talking about taking away the things that they've always known and stirring up trouble. And, and what are we fighting for? It's like, wait a Reminds second. Me. Do you guys remember the games? Hello? Yeah. You know, do you remember it's amazing what how easy it is to forget about how bad things are when other things are, are being Worse. stirred up. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was a brilliant idea. Absolutely. So they basically, uh, I guess she's getting wheeled back to her room, Mm -hmm. to her hospital room. And it says, we laugh a little about the cover up. Gail says no one wanted to look bad by admitting they They couldn't couldn't control control us. us. But I think there's a whole lot more to it than that. I do too. I don't think it has anything to do with admitting that they couldn't control us. I think it has to do with the fact that, you know what? We don't want to be in control of them. Right. We need to give them the freedom to be what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to keep going and use my filter. Okay. In a lot of areas, you have um, a real advantage in that I haven't read this book in a year. Yeah. But in others, not so much. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So. See, that's why. I- and it's not something I know. It, it, it's It's more... You've read ahead. I mean, you know the end of the I do, story. I do know the end of the story. And um, and I apologize for that. But can you imagine if I was still reading this chapter by chapter with you? Seriously. You know what? If you were still reading this chapter by chapter with me, you know what? I'd, we would have finished covering Mockingjay like four months ago. Very true. May, probably even longer than that. Exactly. Because I read, I read Catching Fire and Mockingjay within like a... Mm-hmm. 56 hour period of time. I know. That's what I'm saying. If we, if you would have stayed with me, you would have forced me to read chapters to, and we would have been no. recording podcast and this thing would be out the door. It would. My, I was ta- my sister's reading catching fire right now. And um, I was talking to her about it on Sunday and I said that I had, I read catching fire in 24 hours. I mean, I just read it straight through and I looked at her and I said, I'm pretty sure I didn't feed my kids or, you know, do any of the responsibilities I was supposed to. It was all about being in this story. Um, and I just I had to know what happened. But um, so I, I yeah, they're keeping things from her. Yes. Yeah, so Hamage leans forward and dangles something. Oh, yeah. She took a nap and she's waking up now. Right. Ding, yes, dangles something thin on a white wire in front of my nose. It's hard to focus on, but I'm pretty sure what it is. He drops it into the sheets. That That's your earpiece. I will give you exactly one more chance to wear it. If you remove it from your ear again, I'll have you fitted with this. He holds up some sort of metal headgear that I instantly name the head shackle. <laughs> It's an alternative audio unit that locks around your skull and under your chin until it's opened with a key. 
and I'll have the only key. If for some reason you're clever enough to disable it, Hamage dumps the head shackle on the bed and whips out a tiny silver clip. I'll authorize them to surgically implant this transmitter into your ear so that I may speak to you 24 hours a day. There you go. I'm thinking, uh, no. Hamage in my head, full time, horrifying. <laughs> I love when he leaves. He's like, oh, and by the way, I, I ate your lunch. lunch. <laughs> That's so mean. She's yeah. recovering. How's she supposed to be the Mockingjay if she's starving to death? Well, later on, it's dinner time and Finnick brings him, brings his tray to my bed so we can watch the newest propo together on television. And of course, guess what happens? Something shows on television that uh, wasn't expected. And turns out that it was PETA and he has a new message and he shares some things, um, in there, he talks about, he actually talks to, I believe, Katniss, right? He does. Right. And so, and he's like, uh, so basically they turn off the television. Phoenix says, or, let's turn it off. Well, because they're, um, she's bothered by the propo that they've put together, which is a, um, interviews and um, things and listen or watching herself talk about what happened to eight. And it, it's really hard for her. And so she's like, turn it off. Before they run it again, but before he can, oh, that's right. It's, the capital cuts in. So they were going to turn off the propo, yeah, and then Peta comes on right before they had a chance. Mm-hmm. And then you, of course, Peta's physical appearance shocks me. Uh, she says the the healthy, clo- uh, clear eyed boy I saw a few days ago has lost at least fifteen Aww. pounds and developed a nervous tremor in his ha- or, yeah tremor in his hands. So obviously. The one that they aired a long time ago probably wasn't just a couple days ago as far as when right. it was recorded. Right. So they've been torturing him. It's it's quite obvious. And 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 again, he I, he's he's basically reading off the stuff that you can tell he's being forced to read. Right. So um, she she can't quite make sense of it. And her mind is reeling. I just saw him for no five. I think it was five days ago. How has he deteriorated so rapidly? What could they have possibly done to him in such a short time? And then it hits me. I replay in my mind as much as I can of his first interview with Caesar searching for anything that would place it in time. There is nothing. Oh, Peta, I whisper. (laughs) I whisper it too. Mm. I do. Poor, poor Peta. So, so anyway, um, Caesar's like, is there anything you want to say? Yes, there is, he says. Um, and then he looks right into the cat camera. Don't be a full Katniss. Think, of your, uh, think for yourself. They've turned you into a weapon that could be instrumental in the destruction of humanity. If you've got any real influence, use it to put the brakes on this thing. Use it to stop the war before it's too late. Ask yourself, do you really trust the people you're working with do you really know what's going on and if you don't find find out out. and then it goes black and then it goes black and she can't take it um i will need to um where am i repudiate them there it is um i need i will need to repudiate them but the truth is i don't trust the rebels or plutarch or coin i'm not confident that they tell me the truth Right, and so this does cause her to question, you know, and 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 rightfully so. Absolutely, it, absolutely. But it, it's funny because, yeah, both sides, I believe, That's are right. to be questioned about their true motives. And this is one reason why I completely love Finnick 
more. Finnick grips me hard by the arms. We didn't see it. We didn't see PETA. Only the propos on eight. And I mean, that that's it. We did not see this. Yeah. And then, and, of course, uh, when they came in, that's what they told them. And they looked relieved. They believed us. No one mentions PETA. PETA who? No, I know PETA who. <clears throat> All right. Chapter I nine. Do. I do. But here's the thing. So now she's having nightmares. Well, not now. I'm pretty sure she's always had nightmares. But now she calls them unspeakable right. um, at the beginning of chapter nine. And she says... Um, Gail's scheduled to work with Beatty on weapons, so I get permission to take Finnick to the woods. We wander around a while and then ditch our communicators under a bush. Now she was she was told if she didn't stay in that with that she was not going to be allowed out. So anyway, I think it's funny. Um, we when uh, we're a safe distance away, we sit and discuss Peta's broadcast, and they haven't heard one word about it. Not one. Nobody's told her anything. Nobody's told Finnick anything. Not even Gail. And she's clinging to a shred of hope that Gail honestly knows nothing about Peta's message. But I think even she knows that that's not true. Right. Because back there in eight, she said that Coin and Gail made a look that looked kind of chummy. Right. So how would he not know? Come on, Katniss. Use that smarticles you have. Anyway, further into the chapter here, it says, clearly Snow did not buy the story that Peta and I knew nothing about the rebellion and is suspicious that, uh, and his suspicions have rein- have been reinforced. Now I have come out as the, now that I have come out as the Mockingjay. How abandoned by me he must feel in his first interview. He mm-hmm. tried to pr- protect me from the Capitol and rebels alike. And not only have I failed to protect him, I've brought more down more horrors upon him. So basically, by being the mocking Jay, she seemingly is making Peta out as a liar. Right, and that that I mean that truly bothers her. Mm-hmm. That's not something that she takes lightly at all, at all. So now it comes time where she's talking with Gail. I think right, right, and Our so- eyes lock. Is that where you are? Well, he has his communicuff back. Yes. So Chummy Chummy got his communicuff back. And our eyes lock and I realize how furious I am with Gail. Then I don't believe that I don't believe for a second that he didn't see Peter's propo. That I feel completely betrayed that he didn't tell me about it. We know each other too well for him not to read my mood and guess what has caused it. Exactly. Uh, let's see here. They were right. It, it did. And let's see. What is this one here? But not quite as sick as you lying to me for a coin. Uh, his communicator goes off beeping. There she is. You better run. Uh, you, you have, have things, things to, to tell, tell her. her. So basically, <laughs> she's like, you're, you're working for them now. Right. You know, you're trying to keep things from me. Yep. Uh, and which, can I just say, hello, all she's of you right team. right on. Team Gail people, hello, do you not see this? She's hi- Gail is hiding things. Do you guys think, honestly, for a second, that PETA would have hidden this from her? No. Mm-mm. Not a chance. No, do you remember the fury he threw when she was hiding things from him? Yeah, exactly. Gail, that schmuck. 
<laughs> Sorry. I, I enjoy your responses to Gail, which I, I might point out uh-huh. are worse than mine. Good. <laughs> oh, look at you playing it safe over there. I'm not playing it safe. I'm saying it's for real. Like, I don't like the dude, but. I really don't like Cliff the dude. Cliff really, really doesn't like the dude. And I mostly don't like the dude because it gets a lot of reaction out of our audience. It does. It gets the best emails. Yeah, it, it Thank really does. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate this. <laughs> All of you telling me about Gail's redeeming qualities, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I've read the rest of the book and somebody's going to have to <laughs> tell me about his redeeming qualities. Would you like me to start forwarding you one or two of those emails? Just one or two. Because that, that's really, honestly, that's the only people who's ever come and to I'll, his defense. And one I'll, or two people. I'll use my, my filter and not respond. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, for a moment, Real have Hurt. have things to tell. Okay, for a, for a moment, Real Hurt registers on his face. Then cold anger replaces it. He turns on his heel and goes, maybe I've been too spiteful. Oh, come on. Not giving You've him enough time fine. to explain. Maybe everyone is just trying to protect me by lying to me. I don't care. I'm sick of people lying to me for my own good because really it's mostly for their own good. Yes. So you can get your communicuff back. You weasel. (laughs) I discover we'll be returning to District 12. I I do like this part where she lied to Katniss about the rebellion so she doesn't do anything crazy. Send her into the arena without a clue so we can fish her out. Don't tell her about Pete's propo because it might make her sick. And it's hard enough to get a decent performance out of her as it is. (laughs) She's like really, she's really mad. She's not happy. No, she's not. And, uh, and, and that's okay. I, I think that that is okay. So where are we? I discover we will be returning to District 12. Cressida wants to do unscripted interviews with Gail and me throwing light on our demolished city. At the last moment, I remember to send a message to my mama. It says mother. Mama. It says mother. It does. It says my mother. There's a difference. She did promise mom that she's going to leave. She did. Messages when she leaves. So she tells her that she's leaving um, 13 and stress that it won't be dangerous. Right. Yeah. The rebels who were barely maintaining a foot foothold in several foothold in several districts have rallied. They have actually taken three and eleven. The latter, uh, the latter, so crucial since it's Pan Am's main food supplier, and have made inroads in several other districts as well. So things are actually looking very positive, probably as a result of Katniss yeah. showing up with mm-hmm. all of these propos. Because remember, in eight, they just needed to know she was there. Yes, and morale that's, was yeah. That's was rising. all it took. So it that is all it took was just to know that she existed, that she wasn't dead, and and despair turned to hope. That's right. And we imagine that that has had a tremendous effect by broadcasting all of these things on the air raid. What is the, the the air assault? The air assault on the Capitol. Airtime assault. Airtime so, um, so the the we remember propos are going to be ready and start airing tonight, and Finnick is absolutely marvelous. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, and um and that he, because he knew so many of them personally that it's actually difficult to watch, um. To watch him speak of them, right? I mean, because he was really good friends with with a lot of them, so I I found that sad. 
All right, so we got here. It wasn't until we land in the meadow that we realized that Hamage isn't among our company. He couldn't face it. Hamage, not able to face something? Wanted a day off? More likely, I say. Uh, I think his actual words were, I couldn't face it without a bottle. Well, does Hamage face life without a bottle? Well, he does now in 13 because they don't allow it. But um, but yeah, he's a little too dependent on his bottle. <laughs> Uh, we move fo- forward, and obviously they're walking around old District 12 yeah. doing video shots and stuff like that and a bunch of boring Gale conversation. So we move forward uh, to the point where it says, I know he's thinking about our last meeting here when we fought over whether or not to run away. If and we they're had, by the lake, right? Yeah. They're in the, the stone. If we had, would District 12 still be here or be there? Uh, I would think it would. But the capital would still be in control of Pan Am as well. So basically, they're talking about what could or could have, you know, you know what could have could have happened, mm-hmm. couldn't have happened. Anyway, they point out a small blackbird with a crown. It hops to a new branch, momentarily opening its wings, showing off its new white patches. Uh, its white patches. Pollux gestures to my pin and raises his eyebrows, questioning. I questioningly, I nod, confirming it's a mockingjay. I hold up one finger to say, wait, I'll show you, and whistle a bird call. The Mockingjay cocks its head and whistles the call right back at me. Then, to my surprise, Pollux whistles a few notes of his own. The bird answers him immediately. Pollux's face breaks into an expression of delight, and he has a series of melodic exchanges with the Mockingjay. I love that part. You know what this reminds me of? What? It sounds totally crazy, and I don't even know if you would even know who Uncle Remus is. But there's like this old, uh, you know, Uncle Remus. Well, I think it was a Walt Disney production a long time ago. Long time ago, it's like Mister Bluebird's on my shoulder. It's mm-hmm. truth. It's factual. Everything, Everything is matter. Of- anyway, zippity doo dah. I know zippity yay. Is this that's wh- that's okay. what I'm thinking of when I read that little part. Okay. It's zippity doo dah. Fair enough. All although right. the although the song that she sings. Is a lot more depressing. So um, he asks her to sing, um, which she doesn't really want to do at first, but. Oh, yeah, this is where she sings that crazy song that her dad sang. Yes, yes. Are you coming to the tree? Are you coming to the tree where they strung up a man they say murdered three? Strange things did happen here. No stranger would it be if we met up at midnight in the hanging tree. And then the mocking jays began. Right. Kinda careful. So, so basically, what a horrible song! Obviously, it is. It is rather horrible and um and depressing. And now she's old enough to understand why her mom wouldn't let her sing it. Yeah. And um. But I love this. Pete is right. They do fall silent when I sing, just as they did for my father. Yeah. Because don't forget, he was a goner the first time he heard her sing when they were like five. Mm-hmm. Did you forget that? No, because you're trying to find out where I was. No, no, I'm not. I, I'm just getting past that and re- okay. looking for the next spot here. So okay, because his corpse was called out for her to flee. Anyway, that's weird. Uh, that's weird. Obviously, the talking corpse bit, but it's not until the third verse, the hanging tree begins to get unnerving. You realize that the singer of the song <laughs> is a dead is the dead murderer. He's still in the hanging tree. He's still in the hanging tree, and even though he told his lover to flee he keeps asking her if she's coming to meet him 
So basically it's to death in the final stanza. It's clear that this is what he's waiting for. His lover with her rope necklace trying hanging dead next to him in the tree. What I mean, it's, this it's is, quite depressing. It, it doesn't even make sense why it's in the story other than to give background. I mean, I think that because her father sang it to her. And I mean, that is, the I know, only... but why is there, why I don't understand as a father, how I could ever sing that song to my daughter. Okay. That makes no sense to me under any circumstance. It makes zero sense. All right. I just can't see it. Okay. It, it, it would be like um, me taking the Violent Femmes song, the country death song. Have you ever heard that song before? I have. It's like I've got me a daughter. You're not allowed to sing. I'm not allowed. Can I play it? No. All right. Never mind. The country death song. Go look it up. Violent Femmes. And, and it would be like me singing that song. I threw my child into a bottomless pit. Mm-hmm. She was screaming as she fell, but I never heard her hit. I mean, th- seriously, that would be like me singing that to my daughter. Okay. When is that ever appropriate? That's not what that it's not. Okay. okay. That's not what that song is about, though. And I, I think that there is, if you really wanted to dive into it, there's so much more there about Just their the, suffering the and hopelessness. The, the hopelessness that they lived in. Yes. Than but just I would, the lyric to the song. I would still have to say though that as my as a father, I would want to instill hope. I mean, there are tons of old folk songs that are inappropriate. You know why? Because they're old folk songs. That I mean, that's okay. Anyway, all, all I know is that I, as I was reading this, I was bored by it. You weren't reading it. I was reading it to you. Uh, well, as you but were reading it. thank you for ta- calling me boring. I wasn't calling you boring. <laughs> I was calling the material boring. You were reading this and I was like, dude, can we get beyond this totally hideous song? Well, we did get beyond it. And um, they record her singing. And um, everyone is quite just taken aback with with it and that actually um call her golden <laughs> you're golden she's like i wasn't doing it for the cameras um lucky they were on then yeah and well speaking of the cameras being on and fast forwarding to a more appropriate portion of the story in my mind is where she says pita this is your home none none of your family has been heard of since the bombing 12 is gone and you're calling for a ceasefire? Dun, right. dun, dun. I know. Anyway, and that's, uh, and then it's like, have, let's see here. Oh, 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 this is my favorite part. This is my favorite part. I'll let you read this. Have, have to be dead to forget. Okay. You ready? Because yep. this is, hold on. <sighs> let me, let me promote, because this is my favorite part of chapter nine. This <laughs> is so awesome. I don't think this is your favorite part. I think this is your favorite part to react to. All right, let's go. Right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, right. I'm ready. Have to be dead to forget. Maybe even not then, he tells me. Maybe I'll never be like that man in the hanging tree, still waiting for an answer. Gail, who I have never seen cry, has tears in his eyes. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo. To keep them from spilling over, I reached forward and pressed my lips against his. Ew. The taste of heat, ashes, and misery. Yes. A kiss with Gail is nothing like heat, 
ashes and pure misery to kiss well, that man. She doesn't say pure, but <laughs> she does say misery. It is nothing like anything else. It is pure. It is misery to kiss this male. And then he man. and then he gives her a smile and says, I knew you'd kiss me. Oh, How? come on. Because I'm in pain. That's the only way you're going to get a kiss from that her. That means he manipulated her. <laughs> I he, don't I don't know if I'd go there. I would. I, I just did. I know you did, but I would just say he's so pitiful. I think he's manipulated her both times that they've kissed. Well, the first one he didn't manipulate. He just attacked her. <laughs> it was just an outright attack. Well, I had to do it. You know, I couldn't let anyway not have anything to compare it to. And this time he manipulated her. And it, it, I knew you would do it because I was in pain. Let me take my arrow and show you how else you can be in pain, my friend. Not that you have any bitter feelings towards Gil yourself there, Stephanie. I never said I didn't. (laughs) Beatty thinks he's found a way to break into the feed nationwide, even in the capital. The capital is still appeal. I can't say it. Appears. Appears. Underscored by the anthem. Uh, You know, the anthem. It would be cool if they used our anthem. It really it? would, right? Anyway. Then I'm staring directly into President Snow's snake eyes as he greets the nation. The camera pulls back to include PETA off to one side in the front of the projected map of Panem. He's sitting in an elevated chair, his shoes supported by a metal rung. The foot of his prosthetic leg taps out. <gasps> here it is, folks. And uh, nobody's giving me any heads up here, but I'm telling you right now, we will hear about this in the future. My, my, uh, um, prediction. Prediction for the future. The foot of his prosthetic leg taps out a strange, irregular beat. I bet you there's a message in there. Beads of sweat have broken through the layer of powder on his upper lip and forehead. Bam. <laughs> Without warning, I'm suddenly on television, standing in the rubble of the bakery. And everyone around her is shouting that he did it, that, that Beatty broke through. Yep, and then the whole thing breaks down into a broadcast battle as the Capital Tech Masters try to fend off Beatty's attack, but they are unprepared. And Beatty, apparently anticipating, would not hold on to control. Has, let's see, anticipating, anticipating he, would he would not, not hold, hold on. on to control has an arsenal of five to ten second clips to work with. We watch the official presentation deteriorate as it's peppered with choice shots from the propos. The recognition that with every cheer, PETA slips even farther from our grasp. Then it goes black, but then comes back. Snow and PETA return. The set is in turmoil. We're hearing frantic exchanges from from their booth. Snow plows forward, saying that clearly the rebels are now attempting to disrupt and disseminate of inf- uh, the dissemination of information they find incriminating, but both truth and justice will oh, reign. At the mention of my name, Peter's face contorts in effort. Katniss, how do you think this will end? What will be left? No one is safe. Not in the capital, not in the districts. And you, in 13, he inhales sharply as if fighting for air. His eyes look insane. Dead by morning. Off camera, snow orders end it. BD throws the whole thing into chaos by flashing a still shot of me standing in front of the hospital at three second intervals. But between the images, are the are, we are privy to the real life action being played out on the set. 
Peter's attempt to continue speaking, the camera knocked to the re- to knocked down to record the white tiled floor, the scuffled scuffle of boots, the impact of the blow that's inseparable from Peter's cry of pain and his blutter blood as it splatters the tiles. So here you go. Now, you know, all of a sudden Peta is supposedly on the capital side and it's become quite evident that he's being got the he's getting the crap knocked out of him right now. Right. And completely I think completely unties any credibility from what Peter may have said in anything prior to that. Exactly. In the minds I, I think of that everyone. That is, I think that that is exactly true. I think the fact that they're beating him on camera is not going to play well in the district. Um, or in the Capitol. This is happening. Or in this the Capitol. This one they is being broadcast in the Capitol. Katniss and Peta are the Capitol's beloved couple. Yes, they are. This is not going to end well. And... I don't even remember how it ends, but <laughs> this is not going to end well, and Katniss is not going to take this lying down. Well, this is the end of part one of Mocking Jay. We will come back soon with another episode of the Hunger Games Fan Podcast. We hope that you enjoy this show, and if you know anybody that's gone out to go see the movie, we encourage you to go and tell those friends about HungerGamesPodcast.com. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back soon. Until next time, we encourage you to join the the community. community.